0: Before church, because uh, I uh, didn't want to come up here and be a crybaby. I uh, we're we're talking about positioned in high places, and uh, and that has to do with you know kind of uh, this privileged place that we have with God and. I was uh, actually, I was thinking when I was, uh, this week I was thinking about um, kind of trying to illustrate that. And I actually thought about, um, you know, Carol and I, let's th- say it this way. Carol and I have different um, differences in what we appreciate or what we like when it comes to uh, entertainment. Um, especially media entertainment. Um, like, for instance, I, um, you know, I, I kind of like uh, every once in a while uh, uh, to watch a, uh, a game, sports, um, you know, baseball not, and uh, basketball or football, whatever the season is. I don't get oftentimes en- uh, enough time to watch an entire game, but I'll watch, you know, s- uh, a good segment on it, unless it's a, you know, a major one like the Super Bowl or those kinds of things. But that's my preference and her preference is Hallmark <laughs> and uh, and and so um the the good husband that I try to be she she'll sit with me sometimes and watch part of a game now I know she 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 can't stand it I know I know that but she'll try to you know, make it special. Sometimes she'll make something for me, a snack, get me some, you know, popcorn or whatever and try to make it special, sit there and even ask questions. (laughs) At the most inopportune time. (laughs) You know, so now me on the other hand, I tried to do, you know, kind of payback on that and sit and, uh, and watch some Hallmark. This is what I discovered. That Hallmark, um, every Hallmark is the same. <laughs> now, it, it might be with the guy or it might be with the girl. But, you know, the main character, you know, and th- this girl, like, she, her job sends her to uh, another place, a community. And so she stays there while she's working. She's engaged. To a narcissist. The guy is just really bad. But she doesn't know. She thinks he's just the the greatest thing. And and she ends up working with a guy who, when they first meet, they can't stand each other. They don't like each other. But over time, they start to, you know, find that there's a lot of things that they have in common. And they start to like each other. And then the thing starts to move because she discovers as they're starting to like each other more that her fiance, the narcissist, you know, does something that really kind of exposes that. You know, he's either gone out on her or he's just really, you know, miserable and, and does something. And so she realizes now that she's kind of free to date this guy who she's starting to like. And she breaks up with him And now she's with this, starting to date with this guy and really fall in love. And then she sees this guy with another girl. Now, she doesn't know that the other girl is his sister. But (laughs) she thinks, she thinks that he's, you know, he's really, you know. And so, then she decides then it's over. And she, you know, is going to live a life of, uh, you know, alone. And she then it decides to go back to her 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 home, and so she's on her way to the airport and he then finds out she's leaving and she rushes, he rushes off and catches her before she gets on the plane and it's, you know and then it it, it becomes uh, you know he says what happened and and she hugs and they kiss and and they live happily ever after. Now, that is what homework is. That's what they do. And I've watched a, a few of those. But then I w- know that there's a twist in the story every once in a while. And the twist is that the guy that she meets, she doesn't know, but secretly, he's the prince of <laughs> Salavia. So, some, you know, and... Uh, and then she discovers that, and, uh, and then, you know, she ends up going there, and, uh, and mom doesn't like her, and, yeah, and she has to work through all of that. So that's it. Now, what does that have to do with our, our message this morning? Not much of anything, but <laughs> except for this. She then, as she gets engaged to this guy and is going to marry that is this prince realizes, it, it starts to, has to process what it means to be a princess. And to have this place of, of uh, privilege that is there. That in some cases, the prince himself doesn't recognize the privilege he has. But, but this privileged place that she is now married to the prince who has all this um, authority and Resources, and the Bible describes us that way. We've been taking a look at um, through this series, um, where we're, we're calling it positioned in high places. We've been taking a look at a portion of Scripture in Ephesians chapter two, verses four through six, that tells us that that because of God's mercy and His love that He's loved us with, that. That even while we were, you know, dead in trespasses, he, he, made us, he raised us up and made us to sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Made us to sit in heavenly places. That's the, the wording there. Made us to sit in heavenly places. So that, see, there's this place that you positionally are seated with God. Obviously, not physically. You don't. You're not in heaven right now, sitting. Sitting, but positionally, because the Holy Spirit in you—it's the same Holy Spirit that that is in heavenly places, and because you're in Christ, you're see, you're seated with Him in heavenly places. In other words, you have this incredible access to God, and you might not recognize it. And if you don't recognize it it makes all the difference in how you live out your life and, and approach God in that. Because if you're trying to live out your life as a believer, if you've, if you've been washed by the blood of Jesus Christ, cleansed by the work of God on the cross, if that's already happened, then you have this place with God. And, and you don't have to try to find God in that. You don't have to try to, you know, Hopefully God will hear me. Hopefully, you know, I can get his attention. You're already seated in heavenly places in Christ. And when you go to prayer, you don't have to go far. He's he's right there. And you can talk to him and you can commune with him. And so we said that every week we have two main points and the first main point in all of these this series is the first point that you and I have a position with with God a privileged position and then we said what we want to do is we want to look at this privileged position in prayer and so we began to study that two weeks ago we we talked about the fact that the disciples themselves after seeing Jesus praying approached him and said, Lord, would you teach us to pray? And Jesus didn't do what a lot of people think kind of the way they process what prayer is. Jesus didn't go, well, just pray. Because Jesus didn't say, well, prayer is just talking to God, so just go talk to God. He actually gave them some real um, detail about prayer, some specific things about prayer because there is some things that we can learn about prayer and Jesus wanted to teach us about prayer. And so he began and the first thing he teaches us is he told them when you pray, go in a room, shut the door. In other words, get alone with God. It doesn't have to be a a room necessarily. I mean, Jesus prayed in the garden, but it's alone. That's the, the point. Get alone with God. And then he made this statement that, that when you pray, you don't need to spend a lot of time praying about your own needs, the things that you need. He said, because your heavenly Father knows what you need of before you even ask. And then that begs the question, well, if he already knows, then why pray? And the answer is the key to understanding prayer. The answer is that prayer isn't primarily for us to receive answers to prayer. The primary thing about prayer, the most important thing of prayer, the, the thing on the priority list of prayer is that we're building relationship with God. See, now God answers prayer and gives us stuff, and that's good, but The the most important thing isn't that we get the things we need. The most important thing is that we build a relationship with God. That's why we close the door. And that's why when he said, now this is the way you pray, and he gave us a model of prayer, not a prayer to repeat, a model of prayer, he started off by saying, say, our father, or could be translated, our daddy, Abba, our daddy. Intimacy with God. He says, that's where you start, because the most important thing is intimacy with God. So he taught us that. And then he said, then you don't go right to your, you know, God, give me my stuff. You go to, God, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, Lord, help me to align my will with your will. I want what you want more than I want what I want. And I, I submit myself to that. And that's a process that might take a while for us to submit our will to his as we're in prayer. And we're, we're submitting to God and we're praying for those things. So um, we have this thing. And then we talked about how we submit to God's spirit and we pray in the spirit. Last week we, we, we talked about praying in the spirit, being led by the spirit. But sometimes when you're praying and you're praying for things. Has anyone had this happen, that you prayed for something and it didn't happen when you prayed? Anybody? Anyone? Of course we have. All of us that have prayed have had that happen. And sometimes when we pray, it doesn't happen, and we can get frustrated about that. And we don't know what to do about that. And actually, Jesus addresses that. That very thing. And so as he told, told the disciples how to pray that we talked about in the Lord's Prayer, then he, he goes on. He's still talking about the, the subject of prayer. And chapter 11 of, of the book of Luke in the fifth verse, we'll pick it up there, he says, and he said to them, which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come to me on his journey and and I, I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, do not trouble me. Don't bother me. The door is now shut. And my children are with me in bed, and I cannot rise and give to you. So there's this guy, and his, his friend's on a journey, comes to his house at midnight. It's kind of rude. Knocks on the door and says, hey, can I stay with you? And he says, sure. And he says, I'm, hun- I'm, I'm kind of hungry. Do you have anything to eat? And he says, no, but I'll go talk to my neighbor. He's my buddy. So he goes and talks to, knocks on the door, and his buddy is not so much his friend. Do you have friends like that sometimes? Do you think they're your friends until you ask them to help you move? You know, things like that. So he, he, go, he knocks on the door, and he says, you know, he's, he tells them the story. Now understand the, the, the setting here. In those days, houses, you know, they, they, they didn't look like your home, uh, and uh, they were pretty, really small, and uh, they, they'd have uh, sometimes two rooms, sometimes only one, and uh, if they had two beds, they would have a bed for the guys and a bed for the girls. The family would sleep in these beds. And if you, it's just, it was like camping. And, and you know when you're camping, you don't have room for everything, so you have to always move everything out to go get whatever you need and, and then move that. Everything has to be adjusted. And if, you're, if everybody's asleep, you're going to wake everybody up. That's the scenario. Go get me bread it isn't like I go in the other room, into the kitchen, and open up the refrigerator. I, I'm, I'm I, that, that's what's going on here. And he says, to, uh, you know, he says to his buddy, here, um, you know, leave me alone. I, I can't do it. Now, at this time, if I was the one that needed to go to my neighbor and and tell him, and, and my buddy had come at midnight. I would basically say to my buddy right then, you know, I tried, I knocked on my neighbor's door, he, he can't get up and get, give you some food, you know, you'll have to wait, I'm sorry, but we'll get up early in the morning and go to Starbucks. And so we'll figure kind of things out. But, but the, the, the point is, this guy doesn't do that. And we'll find out how what he represents in a minute. But Jesus goes on and says, I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, right? He's not a good enough friend that he's gonna actually get up and do this. He won't get up because he's, your friendship isn't enough to get him moving. Yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs, okay? Because of his, What? Persistence. Yeah, say that with me, persistence. I want to get that in you. There's a persistence that's going on here. Now, now this is, these, this is how parables work. In a parable, you look at a parable. When a parable is given, you go, who am, who am I in the parable? See, I'm in the parable, and who am I in the parable? Like, for instance, in the, the story of, uh, of the prodigal son, you go, who am I in the parable? Well, the, it's obvious, the prodigal is me. You know, that I'm the prodigal in the parable. So who's, who's the guy in this parable that is, is, is me or you in this parable? And it's the guy who goes knocking. It's a guy who his friend comes and he then goes to his neighbor. That's, that's me, that's you. you know, we, have a, we have a friend, we have somebody that has a need we go on behalf of them to take care of the need. And we go to the one who can handle or give us you know, what we need. Now in the, in the parable, you always look for who's God in the parable, right? God in the parable. Like in the prodigal, it was the father who was waiting for his son. And when his son finally returned from you know, his waywardness, he was there to embrace him. He's the father. So let me ask you then. Who is God? Is he the grumpy neighbor in this story? And and I'm going to answer no. And and another story in Luke chapter 18 gives us insight to this. So if you have your Bibles, you want to turn there to Luke 18. Verse number one starts off with this story. Then he spoke a parable to them another one, that, that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. That's the purpose for the parable. You ought to pray and don't quit, don't lose heart. Okay, that's the, that's the, the reason for this parable. Saying, was a certain city, a judge, who did not fear God nor regard man. Now, there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, get justice for me, from my adversary. So this widow is ha- having problems and she has no one to help her. She can't defend herself and somebody's given her trouble. And so she goes to the judge and asks him for help. And he would not for a while it says. He he's not going to do it, but afterward he said within himself, though I do not fear God, nor regard man, Yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her. So I don't care about, you know, I don't fear people. I don't even fear God, but I fear this widow. She's, you know, she's going to keep hounding me. Yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me, she wears me out. Now, first of all, I'd say this widow has a a, a good quality, and that good quality is courage. Because this judge has the ability to throw her in prison, to throw her in jail. Even though she hadn't really done anything, he could say to her, stay out of my court. If you come back, you're going to jail. And then the Lord responds. The Lord continues in this parable story. And he said, then the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said and show God.'" Not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night for him, though he bears long with them, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. so here's the point is Is the unjust judge in this parable God? and the answer is no. This is not a so you this is not a parable, so you can look at the similarities. It's a parable of contrast. The contrast is that the unjust judge he has the power but he's not like God. The unjust judge responds differently. He says, I tell you, I tell you that that God is different, that God will avenge, that God does care, that God is involved, that God isn't doing it because He's getting worn out by you. And that's not the point of either of those parables. Now, every parent has experienced this kind of persistence, right? Can I have a happy meal? Can I have a happy meal? You know? (laughs) Or, you know, are we going to Disneyland or whatever? Every parent, right? And if you're not a parent, you know what it's like because you were one of those kids. So everybody's done this. You've, you know, every family has this, this kind of thing, this persistence. And and when persistence is done in a um, respectful way, it kind of moves you. You know, when it's done respectfully. You know, mom, dad, could I have this? And you know, I I know you're wise, and and. You you know, whatever decision you make is fine with me. I totally respect that. and uh, But I just would like this very, very much. And uh, you go, N- no, no, I don't think it's a good idea. And then a little bit later, you know, have you changed your mind at all? <laughs> well, it's possible, right? You might change your mind at that point because of the way they're responding. And because... What does that persistence tell you? It tells you that they really care. They really want this. This is really important to them. If they just kind of give up, you know, maybe it's not that big of a deal, which is fine because you don't want to give it to them anyhow. But, but the, the point is, and here's the point, point number one is this. God is not bothered by your Persistence. Let me say that again. God is not bothered by your persistence. You might think, because you might get bothered by too much persistence, that you go, you know, you're wearing me out, knock it off, I don't like it. You know, you're bothering me. But God isn't. He doesn't get, war- he ne- he's never tired, you know. He, he doesn't, he, he, he's not weary, and drained by us coming. In fact, the opposite, because notice what it says in uh, in the the next part of the verse. There, it says, "Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will He really find faith on the earth? Will He really find faith? Why does He say that in connection with this prayer of persistence?" Why would he even, why does he ask that question? Because this, persistence, and this is the second point, is a sign of faith and desperation. Persistence is a sign of faith and and desperation. See, when, when you keep coming back, as, you know, Renetta in this story for her daughter, that, she kept coming back because she believed God would answer that prayer. She believed that God would answer. Now, she hadn't got the answer yet, but she's going to press in until she gets the answer because she has faith that God, and she's not going to quit and give up and just go, well, it isn't going to happen. See, sometimes we pray for things, and you know we've, we've done it for a couple of weeks. Well, God hasn't answered, so I'm going to take it into my own hands you know? So, you know, you're praying for that spouse. Oh, God, you know, give me that man. I'm trusting you, God, for that husband, or I'm trusting you for that wife. God, I'm trusting you. And then, you know, a week later, you're going, well, I'm going to take it in my own hands. I'll find them, and then you bless my marriage. <laughs> yeah, and, and we take it down because we we come to a place where our faith that god is going to do something we, we you know we take it out of that persistence is i'm still trusting you god i'm still believing i'm still i'm still holding on to that and i'm desperate enough god sees this really matters this one really matters to you cuz i keep pressing in now i want you to notice in that first parable it wasn't about the man getting something for himself. He was pressing in for someone else in that. And so, then then Jesus says, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. Now, that the ask seek, knock actually in the original uh, you know language here, the Greek, it is in the continuous tense in fact, other translations will say and give us a little bit more insight on this and, and uh, the ISV says it this way um, I say to you, keep asking and it will be given to you keep searching and, will, and you will find keep knocking and the door will be open to you See keep Keep asking, keep knocking because because God is not bothered by your persistence and because persistence is a sign of faith and desperation. And thirdly, because your persistent prayer has the power to move the heart of God. It has the power to move the heart of God. God is touched by your persistency. Now, What about about the times that you pray? You've done this, haven't you? You've prayed for things, and you prayed for things, and you prayed for things, and it didn't happen. See, when Jesus is telling his disciples to pray persistent prayers, don't give up, keep praying. He wasn't saying to them, listen, if you pray enough of these persistent prayers, you're guaranteed an answer. Like, if you get to like 145 prayers in a row, you hit a certain point, 100, you know, and, and once you hit that, you got it. That's not what he's saying at all. But there is something, I think, that is beyond what we're, we're, we're getting here that happens when we are, we press through in, in faith, in prayer, and we don't give up, and we, get, and, we, and we stay with it, something happens in us. Some transformation takes place in us as we continue in our interaction with God, and prayer becomes a true conversation with God, and we're not just praying rope prayers. God, do this, do this, do this, do this. And our faith is built up. And I'm sure if Jesus would have been asked at this point, but Lord, we I prayed for things here, you know, important things. Some of you have prayed, you know, for for loved ones who were, you know, um, who were dying. Maybe are or, or you prayed for a marriage that you know, God to bring healing to or what have you and and it didn't happen the way you had prayed for and you prayed and you prayed and, and, and if the disciples would have went to Jesus at that point and said, Lord, we prayed for things and we prayed for things here and they didn't happen, Jesus would have said, you asked me how to pray and I'm just telling you How to pray. I'm telling you how to pray. And that comes to the fourth point, and that's this. People who don't give up get more answers to prayer than those who do give up. I want you to get that. He's not not telling us that this is a guarantee that if you hit so many prayers that you pray over and over again, you're going to get it. This is, not a, this, this is not a formula. This is not a, you know, a, a contract of you, you do. This is a interaction between a loving father, a loving heavenly father. But he says, it, this is the way to pray. And if you pray this way, you're going to get a lot more answers to prayer than, than if you don't. And so the question, then we ask, is what are you desperate about that will keep you asking and seeking and knocking? Carol and I were with some friends this last week, and um, the wife was sharing a story how that her uncle had um, been um, hardcore, really anti-God, just one of those guys that just, you know, like, the last guy in the world you'd think would ever come to Christ. And he had rejected the Lord, rejected and rejected and rejected. And her prayer was, along with others in the family, j- just praying that he would come to Christ. And he got sick, he got in the hospital, and he was in a place where it was just a short time um, in which he would be able to live. And some of the family went and talked with him and uh, and tried to, you know, reason with him and tell him about Jesus. And they've already been doing that, but he's been so resistant and he didn't want to have anything to do with the Lord. And so she felt like the Lord told her to drive and it was a long uh, place. It was out of state and she had to to go talk with him and she told their family that she was going to do that. They said, well, we've already tried. We were just there. We was at the hospital. He, he didn't... He didn't uh, he doesn't want anything to do. But she just felt like the Lord wanted her to, to go. And she said, well, "It's you know, it's a last-ditch effort to see him come to Christ and uh, before he passes. And so she she drives there, and she gets in the room. And he cannot speak coherently. So she really can't have a conversation. But she says to him, you know, Don't you want to be with, and mentions the family members that are already in heaven. Don't you want to be with them? Don't you want, you know, Jesus? And tears start running down his face. And she asks him to pray and to accept Christ. And when she asks him to follow in prayer, all of a sudden his voice as he speaks is coherent. He speaks clearly as he gives his heart to the Lord. And then he lives a little longer and he's able to have, he has a a real touch and transformation of God working in his life before he goes to heaven. Persistency is important. We can't give up. And some of us are praying for things, been praying for a long time. Some of us have given up. People who don't give up get more answers to prayer than those who do give up. And Jesus said, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. Keep knocking. Say, what do I do if... Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. Keep asking keep seeking, keep knocking. That's the call of God. Jesus, how do we pray? Let me tell you a story, he says. There's this guy, his friend comes to the door. He's hungry, he goes to his neighbor. His neighbor isn't gonna respond, he says, but he kept up. He kept, hey, come on. Come on, my buddy. I got to do this for my buddy. He's hungry. He needs food. Come on. All right. (laughs) He said, well, the father isn't like that, but you got to be persistent like that. Will you just be persistent? Amen. Let's pray. And uh, Lord, there are those right here today. Lord have that have been being prayed for someone has been persistently praying for them and if you're that person maybe you've been being prayed for because you have been far from God and uh, you you have right now you know that there are those who care about you and you know maybe they invited you to church today maybe that's why you're here and they really care that you Know the God who loves you and and died for you and created you and 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 today God wants to give you another opportunity and that is that if you would like Christ in your life you can simply respond to Him and He'll He's He's willing so I'm going to ask while heads are bowed and those not looking those of you would say today you know Pastor. I really want the Lord in my life. Would you um, just lift your head up and let your eyes meet mine? If you say, that's me. I want Jesus in my life. I want to invite him. I'm distant from God, okay? So I want the Lord in my life. If that's you, would you? Okay. Okay. Church, would you join in? With, uh, with these that are open to the heart to the Lord right now, would you join in with me in prayer? And uh, as we just invite Christ to be Lord, just say, dear God, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who died for my sins, was buried, and conquered death. And Jesus, I received you As my savior, I ask you to cleanse my soul and help me to follow you. From now on, you are my savior. In Jesus I pray, amen, amen. Listen, um, if you lifted your head or even if you haven't, didn't, but you prayed that and you meant it, would you let us know in your connection card in a minute we're going to uh, pass out the offering buckets and you have an ch- opportunity to, to place uh, one of those connection cards in there. You can do that or you can do it at the, the boxes near the door. But let us know that you receive Christ and, and we'll help you get started in your walk with God. Um, we're going to invite the ushers to come and we're going to worship God with our gifts. If you would like to give. As they pass out the buckets, um, you know, you can go ahead and do that. It's an, it's an expression of worship. It's one of the ways we worship God is in our gifts. But we're going to continue in worship. We're going to close in worship. And let me tell you, when we have these worship times at the end, it's a response time. Maybe the Lord spoke to you, well, you know, during the message or even during the, uh, or the, the beginning of the service in worship. Maybe God spoke to you. Maybe it had nothing to do with what I said. And that, that doesn't surprise me at all. But but God sometimes just will speak to us and use things to speak into our heart. It's really important that when that happens, we respond to God. You know that we respond. Lord, you, I feel you calling me to this. I feel this. And and you respond to the Lord. Maybe, maybe there's... You've given up on prayer and somebody that God had placed in your life and you've given up on them. And maybe today you go, boy, I, I, I got to get back on that. I can't, I can't be given up on somebody that God hasn't given up on. And maybe this would be the opportunity for you to press through. You know, Maybe you've given up on a situation where God hasn't given up. You just press through. So during our worship time, respond to God about that. Talk to him, okay? The presence of the Lord is definitely here, and you can sense that, and as we worship, you're in that, you're in that place that is a good place to, to let God work in your heart, speak to you, and respond to him, okay? Let's pray. Father, bless, Lord, as we bring our, our worship of gifts and as we bring the worship of our heart,